Welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. Today's guest, Jim Hensel, the founder of Mayhem Mindset. And we're recording this intro after the episode, and Darren and I are just sitting here blown away. Man, he was awesome. By the conversation. The awesome it was. It was literally, you know, one of the best conversations we had so yeah. far. You know what, man, the thing is, is that you, you never stop growing. Right. Like, you, you hear things that are, that you think that you, you know, like, I know I'm, I'm getting better, or I'm trying these new things, and I'm getting, you know, I'm feeling really good. And then you talk to a guy like Jim Hensel, and he says, oh, wait, 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 let's peel back this onion. Like, let's get to really know who you are. And it's, it's so, it was so refreshing to hear, you know, how, what he brings to the table, man. If there's anyone out there listening to this show, if you, the Darren Woodson show, and if you, if you've been a listener, this is what I want you to do. Go get as many people as you can Mm -hmm. and tune in and listen to Jim Hensel and what he has to say, because he's going to bring you value. It's pure value to the bottom line of your life uh so if you're if you're listening out there just just tune in to to that show yeah and and to peel back the curtain a little bit so we actually originally had jim on this summer and we're recording this on uh, november 10th and for whatever reason audio some sort of audio issue the, the episode was basically lost midway through the recording and so the conversation was so good back then that we said we have to bring Jim on to finish this conversation. So there might be a little bit of an awkward transition in the middle. Just understand that's because, like I said, we got about 20 or 30 minutes this summer, came back today because the conversation was so good, wanted to finish it. You'll also notice you'll you'll stop hearing Tyler on the episode. <laughs> all all of a sudden. Cabo or uh, yeah, Tyler's <laughs> off on vacation the, the, the day that we're recording the second one. So, again, just bear with us, technical issues, but hopefully it, smo- it flows smoothly. And you guys, like Darren said, man, you got to share this with everybody you yeah. know because it's one of those conversations. It's, it's, it's going to be an all-timer yeah, it is. for this podcast. Yes, it is. And it's the exact reason we started this podcast was for conversations like this. To get better. Yeah. That's why I want to have the mental toughness. I, I, honestly, again, I just said, you know, peeling back the onion, that, that's one thing. But to have someone talk to you and it's the way he comes across, he talks from a position of power. And you know you're getting that if you have any thoughts in your mind that oh everything's perfect, he's going to peel it back for you mm-hmm. and give you a starting point, and then allow you to build off that foundation. He's going to cre- help you create that foundation. And I'm going through it again. You and I, Ben, are going to go back and start writing down uh, those values that uh, that make us who we really yeah. are, man, and know what's what's really important in life. Yeah. So again, we hope you guys enjoy this one. Uh, go give Jim a follow on on social media. Again, he's he's amazing at what his what his message is, and we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. I don't know how many weeks ago we had Rich on Rich Froning on. Yeah, it was one of our first episodes. One of our first episodes, and Rich made a reference to Jim Hensel and how important he was in, in preparation, getting ready for competition. And, and we all know, man, CrossFit is a freaking monster. Yeah, it is. And it's not just about performance that's, that you do physically. It's, it's a mindset. It's one of those things that football players make fun of because they're scared of it. Yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> they do the dumbest stuff. And it's like because you don't want to do, do it because it. it's too yeah. hard. 
So today's guest is Jim Hensel. Uh, you know, the mental coach. I would call you the mental coach for not only Rich Rich Proning, but you know, for well, Michael, Michael Chandler, right? Michael MMA. Chandler, yeah. 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 Got a chance to know him. Yeah. It, and so many other athletes that are out there. And, and Jim, we wanted to, th- first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, this show is about the journey, but it's also about having a, a mindset. And we, we have these arguments on the, on the set and we de- debate each other all the time about, you know, the mental mindset, the mental part of it. And you are the perfect guest to have on this show, man. And we appreciate cool. your time. But I definitely want to go back into mm. the journey. And, you know, from day one, where were you born? Give us your family background uh, and moving forward from there. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me here. I think this is going to be a cool conversation. I've listened to multiple podcasts and um, my wife was like, I got up this morning and she's like, man, I don't, I've not seen you this excited. And I'm like, I can't wait to talk to these guys. Um, I, I get in spaces, honestly, where, you know, where what I want to talk about and, and, and what I think is important or what mayhem mindset brings to the table, people just don't get it or understand it. Um, they're looking for a motivational speech and a little hoorah. Mm. I don't do that. No. Um, right. That's not at all what this is about. So I, I'm looking forward to kind of laying this out today and kind of having this discussion with you. Um, I think uh, I come from I come from Colorado, from Loveland, Colorado. I grew up as as one of four kids, two two sets of twins in the house that I that I come from. Um, super middle class, super hard hardworking. My dad was a house painter. Um, and, uh, the journey to get where I'm at, I think maybe the first 25 years of my life, um, I couldn't have done it more wrong and couldn't have made more mistakes. And, and if I was intentionally trying to screw up my life, I couldn't have done a better job. Mm. And I think I'm really motivated at this point in my life to finish strong and, um, and to get everything out of life. And so I think, probably the reason why I'm so passionate and believe so much in what I'm doing is it, it was really based on my story. Honestly, I, I'm this, uh, my best friend said, I'm the stupidest smart guy he's ever met. <laughs> um, I just, I get, I'm the accurate. stupidest, stupid guy. That they've ever met. <laughs> uh, but mayhem mindset is really all about my story and my journey and what I did to sort of try to figure it out and get my life on track. So did you say a second ago, you have, your family two sets of two twins? Two sets of twins. Two sets of twins. I got a twin sister and then brothers who were a year and a half younger who were also twins. So. God bless oh, your parents. Hey. Tyler yeah. has twins. Yeah. And I, okay. I've got two sons, but not twins. And I, I have so much respect for parents of twins. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's, it's a whole different ball game. That's for sure. I mean, there's, there's benefits to it. Definitely. The benefits. I can tell you the benefits. Some, 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 at least you had yeah, two younger twins, right? You kick some ass <laughs> and beat yeah. up. Also, you guys, they utilize them as punching bags. I'm sure growing up. I think my brothers and I, man, I, my, my sister was definitely the odd person out for sure. It was nuts <laughs> in our house. I feel really badly for my parents in many ways. I mean, it was chaos. My mom would be like, look, if you wanted to give them a bath, what you had to do, and this is old school, like I'm 51 now. So, oh, it's a great day. number. That is a <laughs> great number, man. See, you know what? I get killed, Jim, every 51 day. 51 was I'm 10 years ago for you? 69, yeah. baby. Born in 69, right, Jim? <laughs> so, I'm 68. 68. So I'm pushing. Yeah, so you got a year on me, but 
Yeah, I get killed on the show about, you know, my age, and they make these little jokes about me. You ain't joking right now, it's not, it's not. It's not jokes. It's just... Well, we actually respect Jim, and, and we hold him in high regard. My mom would say that she would, like, take two of us, put us in the tub, you know, put about that much water in there. Hopefully, we wouldn't drown, and then go run in and take care of the other two, because there's just so many... And when she got back, there's zero water left in the tub. <laughs> we made it. I mean, I think it's just, I think grace is a big deal in, in that story for sure. Yeah, that's the truth. All right. So, so one of four, what was, uh, what was, you mentioned you struggled and screwed things up at a young age, but what, what did that look like? What was your passion in high school? I know you were a football player and, and that was a big part of your journey, but yeah, talk us through, okay, as, as you're growing up, what, what your yeah. passions were early on. Well, I think this, the mindset story really kind of starts there. All I ever cared about was football. Um, uh, there was nothing else that I cared about more than, than playing football and wanting to play football. And I grew up in a really conservative religious home um, where my, my dad kind of thought the devil was hiding behind every door. <laughs> um, and, and I think a lot of who I am and what I am now kind of, kind of comes from some of that development. But but my dad and I didn't get along at all and uh, I didn't like him and didn't respect him. And um, he was a wise thinker and I was, I was going to make something happen. And there was a lot of, a lot of clashing a lot in our, in our life. And, and really the truth of the matter is, man, all I ever wanted to do was play football and I was never allowed to play football um, and kind of was kept home and, and was really sheltered until um, I turned 18. And at 18, I told my dad, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is, this is if I can say what I said, but basically, F you, I'm going to go play football. So I'm moving out. I just turned 18 years old and I'm, I'm not, shoot, I'm not trying to do cocaine. You know, I'm not right. trying to get anybody pregnant. I just want to play football. So I'm doing that and I'm going to go live someplace else. And I, so I, I was leaving the house and my dad was like, Hey man, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, listen, um, and I was rebellious and there were lots of struggles there. Um, but so I got to play football my senior year in high school and, and that was the one year I played in high school. And then from there went to the university of Colorado to play and, um, so one year of high school and then you went to a division one program. Yeah. You know what? Like I could really run back in the day I could really move. And so when it came to, um, just getting on the field and being, being fast and being athletic, mm -hmm. you know, I could make up a lot of ground in that area you know, without, without the experience. So, so what was the foundation of your athleticism? And did you play other sports? Was it just football that you couldn't play? Was it no sports? I mean, yeah, the only really organized sport that I played would be, I, I ran track okay. um, and, and, and did that. But I, I went to a public junior high for a couple of years and then dad didn't like that idea and took me out of the junior high. So I didn't really have an opportunity to play organized sports when I was young. For sure. What was, what was the reasoning behind that? What was your father's reasoning for you not to be able to play that one sport? I think, I think that, and this is something that I talk a lot about in mindset and, and I'm, I challenge, I challenge guys who tell me that faith, is a value where they believe in faith in their life. I, I, I'm part of the mindset process is really to kind of have you look in the mirror and really, really decide for yourself of what you believe is authentic. And my dad comes from a really religious and I've defined that as rules without relationship. Mm -hmm. He comes from a religious background. And um, unfortunately th there wasn't a lot of body or substance there. It was just a lot of fear. 
and and he was really afraid of the world and he was really he was really afraid that somehow the devil was going to get us all and he didn't really understand this idea of of kind of coaching us up and and having us understand how to operate in the world or teach us the value i think i've used this analogy dad if 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 life was a river dad took us over to the edge of the river and built a fort Oh, and man. climbed to the top of the tower, and we he he told us all about the river and how to how to navigate the river and obstacles, but we never really ever in the water. We never really had any life experience, and I had to fight my way out of the fort to get in the water, and and then and then I get to the University of Colorado and I have a huge opportunity and I, I survive a semester and get thrown in jail and get kicked out and have it all taken from me because mm. I, I I was a good student, I was smart, I was a values kind of guy, and it, and at that point, they were Coach Bill McCartney had come along and was trying to change that program, and um, and so I got suspended. I I was I was drunk every chance I got to be, and and trying to prove myself and fighting every chance I got to be, and stealing stuff and just being a complete idiot. So I I really didn't have any experience, and when I got out in the real world, it, it was more than I could handle, um, and and it cost me a ton. So I at that point I. I, I was suspended for a semester and did some time in jail. And, and then uh, I decided to transfer and I transferred to the university of Northern Colorado. And then I ended up playing the rest of my, my college career there. But Let, Let's go back to the jail time. Let, let's go back. Yeah. Was, was there a specific incident that happened that occurred that put you, that landed you there? Well, I know you said, you mentioned you drank, you were drinking a lot, but what was the incident that, that landed you in jail? Well, there were, there were multiple incidents. There were, um, there were some fighting in a bar that got me on the radar and got me in trouble. And then the, finally, the last straw, uh, a roommate of mine had stole a stereo out of a guy's room. And I knew about that. And I didn't, uh, I didn't tell. Mm. When, the, when the cops came around and started questioning, I kept it quiet. And so I was charged as an accomplice to that. And, and in return for that, uh, did nine days in the jail and... And so that was kind of this, this rebellious, not knowing who I am, not knowing how to control my emotions, 18 years old, going to do it my way. Um, zero respect for anybody around me kind of a thing. That was kind of the attitude that I arrived at. And you know, jail jerked me up. Um, I, I know I didn't go to prison and I know I didn't have that sort of experience, but having my freedom taken away from me um, was really kind of the start of me trying to become a thinker. I didn't want that to happen anymore. And, um, and I wanted to be somebody who could it, just everything I had done up to that point was really based on a ton of ocean. I needed a way to connect to it in a, in a different or more mature way. So that really kind of was the foundation of my story. Talk to me about this though. You, you say you spent nine days in jail. And I, there's so many kids that I've, I talked to and I grew up in the inner city and I've known so many people that have spent time or a day or two days, those nine days, what was going through your mind in those nine days? Well, I'll tell you what, can we just be frank? Yes. Yeah. Be cool? frank. Can we just be yes. straight? Yes. Like I was lifting weights with a guy in the gym who was actually one of the jailers over in Boulder at the Boulder County jail. And I was panicked about the strip search. Right in the beginning, I was like, man, you know, I, I, I'm not happy about having to line up with next to a bunch of dudes naked and bend over and grab my ankles and have somebody look at my ass. And I'll just tell you the truth. That's how that got started. And that was crazy. So so this guy, he he plans he plans it out to where on in the intake day, he was the 
he was the guy responsible and in charge. And so I didn't have to go through some of that. I mean, he just kind of walked past me. So I was panicked and worried about that. And I'm freaking out about that. And I've not ever had any sort of, I've never had anybody impose themselves on me yeah. in that kind of a way, you know, where, yeah. where you're really going to have to do what they tell you to do. And then the other, the other giant piece of it was honestly, there were some newspaper headlines and I went in there and people were looking at the newspaper and saying, Hey, are you the guy in the paper? And I was, and so people kind of thought I was cool when I showed up. So there wasn't like an intimidation kind of a thing. The, the thing that just destroyed me was, was I wasn't free. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And then I looked around at the other people in that room and it and it was overflowing and we were you know there there wasn't space for everybody we were on cots along the walls in the area the, the minimum security area was in and i just felt horrible for the people that were in there you know just and look what's happening with this person's life this is all they're going to get out of this you know um and it was crazy to think i didn't i didn't get arrested and thrown in jail that day i had a court date and had to show up so something so silly is Hey man, you can bring three pair of underwear and a toothbrush and that's all you get. And, you know, walking in there with three pair of underwear and a toothbrush. Yeah. And then the guy I'm sitting next to, he got thrown in jail. So he's wearing whatever he was wearing. You know, mm -hmm. the dude next to me was, uh, was a skinhead. Like, a I don't even know what, how you'd say it now. He had a, he had a dragon tattooed inside of his head and, um, and we just had these long, crazy talks and I started writing and he ended up being somebody that I could really relate to and, and had a bunch in common with. And don't think that if I hadn't have been thrown in jail, probably would have ever got to know him. And when I left, I gave him my underwear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, dude, can I have your underwear? Post workout. You know? yeah. <laughs> hey, so, so what is your relationship like with your mom at this time? I know you and your dad butt heads, but what, what role is your, your mother playing in this dynamic between you and your dad and your rebellious side and all that? My mom's a hard charger. Um, my mom's smart and sharp and capable. And um, my mom really made everything happen in our world, you know, growing up. Um, she had a college degree and worked hard and my mom survived. Um, I come from a, a Native American background. My mom grew up in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and my mom survived all kinds of uh, physical abuse. And she's an incredible human being who, who really, um, you know, was the, just kind of was, kind of was the foundation for our family. And, and I could communicate with her really well. She was, she was tough and, and she got me and a lot of, I think a lot of who I am as a person came from her. So mm. I could communicate with her. Okay. So you go to jail. What is, I mean, what is her reaction to that? Like, Hey, you know, you, you made your bed, you got to lay in it or is it like my heart's broken? I mean, what, what is her, nah, you know, I, I think at that point they were forced to really let go of me. So nobody yeah. really had any opinions anymore. You okay. know? Um, I think my dad did the best that he thought he could do. Um, what, what I think, as I look back at that, there was a ton of wisdom in who my father was. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not, I'm not going to say now, even now, um, there's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of work. I don't want to make it seem to everybody like it's bad. There was a lot of growth and development from that. But when I became a parent, um, I did a lot of things different. And, and I, I, I decided to look at my children and and take who I was created to be and my design and set that aside and then look over at my children 
and, and really try to help them understand what their design is and who they're created to be and grow that. And, and my dad didn't have that ability really. He, because he'd been, he hadn't been an athlete um, and because he struggled so much, he didn't get me at all. He didn't get that I was moving fast and trying to run and jump and tackle and, and do all that. He just thought that that was way too much commotion and motion and he didn't understand that. He didn't get my design and he didn't get my heart. Um, what I, what I believe is, I mean, something as simple as, um, you know, shoot, man, I, I'm a dude, man. I like boobs and butts. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I was taught that that was some sort of crazy sin. So I grow up thinking that, holy crap, there is not pretty much from the time you're 12 yeah, I don't know when that ends, honestly, at this point. I was just thinking, yeah. about <laughs> let, me, let me know when it does. Yeah. You're going to get there way before all of us. Already, yeah. uh, well, uh, here's my question, though, for you. Though. I mean, part of this is that you proved your father right. I mean, if you really looked at this, I mean, your father is trying to protect you all these years, and then he's protected you, and then you go off to college. Was there any time when you were going through this process early on that you felt like, damn, my dad was right? For sure. I will tell you, you know, to fast forward to where we're at now, what my dad did that was right. And my dad is an important part of my personal code. And we can talk about that. But my dad knew that if who I was designed to be, I call it your B, capital B-E in the Mayhem Mindset game, was not connected to values, to core values, it would destroy me. And he was right. Mm. he was 100% right if I continued to make choices and decisions based on emotion and all of and momentum and all of those kinds of things and I couldn't get that connected to this idea of understanding the values in my life it was going to wipe me out and he was right um and and I obviously have a ton of respect for who he is and and my dad was probably he's the most consistent person I've, I've ever seen in my entire life my dad believed what he believed from the day I was born and he still believes it. he's been married to my mom for 56 years or whatever it is. And they've been walking it out. So he was just a different person than me mm-hmm. who he was created to be was different than me. Right. Um, and so I think that that's important to point out. Yeah. But I think you, you said it exactly right. Right. Like he's telling you how to live your life rather than you learning how to live it yourself. And you can't live someone else's life for them. And you, you, it's like, you know, it's like the, the dad that, that tells his son, you know, how to swing a baseball bat and the son, he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to listen to it, but then his coach or someone else shares it with him and lets him do it. Now that's gospel, right? It's not about what you tell me to do. It's let me go live it. Let me experience it. Because like you said, I mean, life is full of challenges. Life is full of adversity. And if you don't know actually physically and are not trained to respond to it, I mean, how are you going to succeed? And so it sounds like yeah. you, you just hadn't been prepared for what college, you know, gave to you. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as a parent, and I'm speaking as one now, my children are 28 and 26 and I have a stepson who's just got out of the Marine Corps at at 22 years old. So I've done a little bit of that. We, we, we can take our fears and our worries and our struggle and our challenge personally, and we can put that on the kid Mm -hmm. and that we begin to live out some of our hopes, some of our dreams through the child, and then even some of our fears and worries and insecurities. And, and so one of the things that I did when it became my responsibility to be a dad was to really pull up. And I had gone through a process of defining myself and knowing who I was. And I didn't, I wanted to instill in them this idea of value so they could become critical thinkers 
but I wanted to make sure that, that my BS and my struggle and my trouble and my worry, it wasn't theirs. And it wasn't something that I basically cursed them with through life. And I would say that that was my dad's struggle trying to learn that. That's great. Okay. So you go to jail, your struggles aren't done in your story. There's still, there's still lows. You go back to university of Northern Colorado. Talk us through what happens from there. Well, I ended up, I ended up getting married, um, to my high school sweetheart. Um, I had somebody I'd known since I was seven years old and decided to do that. And then we were married for several years through school. Um, and you know, went through school. I, 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 I got a chance to participate and play football and enjoyed all of that like crazy. And then uh, we, our first daughter was born my wife's senior year. So I had been out of school one year and our first daughter, and we hadn't really intended that, but we were ready to kind of jump into life and get after that. Um, and so we kind of both got done with school. We didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. We didn't, you know, we weren't that smart. Um, and so fast forward a few years and my wife leaves and she decides she wants to get on with her life and do something else. And at that point, um, we had two children. Um, I had been out working a corporate job and we had two kids and she decides that, uh, that she, that she's going to leave. And really kind of all my hopes and my dreams had not come true. I didn't end up as a professional football player, which is what I wanted. I wanted more than anything. And then to make it worse, and I'm not going to say the name on here, but she actually left me for a all pro all world football player who you'd know who you see on TV. So you want to talk about, you want to talk about, uh, we lived in Greeley, Colorado, which was the back in the day where the Broncos had training camp. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you want to talk about dark times. Um, you want to talk about really struggling and, and pretty much everything that I had hoped for dream for ever thought about really didn't come to pass. And then, and then I have these responsibilities that I know I'm going to take care of. I've got these two little girls that I know I'm going to be the dad. So um, I was in the darkest and lowest point of my life. And I really didn't know how to move forward at that point. I, I, really, um, I really didn't know which way was up and which way to go. And I was for sure depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to us a little bit about how your career ended, because I think that's an interesting story of transition and identity. Uh, our story, yeah. mine and yours is very similar. Uh, so talk to us about how your career ended and where, and, and your mindset after that. I had like bookend knee injuries. Um, the first day of pads at the university of Colorado, I tore my knee. Um, and that contributed to a little bit of sitting around and maybe some of the trouble I got in. And then the last, the last game of my senior year, um, I tore my knee and, I mean, literally the play was on the other side of the field. Literally I was playing corner on the strong side and the play was into the boundary and I was just jogging over there and the kid cut me from, from the side. And I remember it snapping and going down and just, I knew what that meant. You know, I'd heard that sound before, knew what that meant. Um, And yeah, that's a tough day, man. That's a tough day when you're kind of thinking, maybe I'll play baseball, you know, there's a few things in my future here that I'm going to do. And then that's all kind of taken, taken away from you in a heartbeat. That's a big challenging day. And, and here's the deal. And, and these two guys played, both played in the NFL and, and to a certain extent, they got to control somewhat when their career ended. Now you and me, it was a knee injury. And, and I don't want to sit here and say, Oh, I would have made it if I didn't have a knee injury. I'm not trying to say that, but there's a difference in walking away on your own terms and knowing it's coming. And it, feeling like it's being taken away from you, especially when it's something you've invested so much of your time, your energy, your identity into. So I got to imagine 
you're, you, you were blindsided by that. All of a sudden your career's over this, all these hopes and dreams and goals are gone all of a sudden. How do you respond to that? So many people struggle with that. How did you respond to that? Yeah, well, that's, that's literally what mayhem mindset's about. Um, let, let me just say first, I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. I don't want to be really clear about that. Um, I, I, had, I had some physical, physical qualities and capabilities that were, that were good enough, but mentally I was not that guy. Mm. Um, I wasn't capable of that. And so if I'm going to stand back and be honest about it now, I want to make sure I say that up front. Um, I was going to say, well, you're a white corner and the chances, why does it got to be white? Why can't it just be a corner? <laughs> be real. Hey, we're, are we not transparent? <laughs> I don't see color, Darren. I had a, I had a, it's so funny that you say that because I had this experience where we had this, we had this coach on our staff. His name was Kay Dalton and he played in, he, he coached in the NFL and, and was kind of mostly semi-retired. And we were, we had a, was a nine on seven drill my senior year. And all I wanted to do was hit. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to be the tough guy and I wanted to be a hitter and I didn't necessarily been that. And I was, I was the cover guy. They would just send me out there and just lock me on somebody. Mm. I won't be that guy. And we had a, we had, there was a nine on seven drill and the fullback kind of came to the hole and I, I hit him and it, it literally was the best moment in my football career. Mm. And I found myself standing over this guy, looking down at him. And you, I, I know, you know what I'm talking about. Everything yeah. inside you is height. Yeah. And this, this, this offensive coach who didn't give two shits about defense and he would tell you that stopped the whole dang practice and walked up to me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, son, if you want to play in the NFL, you forget about that. He said, that's not your job. Your job is not tackling people. What you're good at it's covering people. So go over there and lock down. (laughs) And all all I care about is you get them to the ground. That's all I care about. I don't listen to that guy. I'm in my whole year trying to let's get into cover two so I can come downhill, you know? Um, So you're, you're laughing. He told me that in that moment though, he was like, man, dude, you're a white guy who plays corner and you can move. You're going to play, just tackle people and (laughs) and not worry about how you get them down. Don't worry about that. So um, segue, segue back to, I'm in this horrible time and, and I realized that I don't know which way to go. And I, I, I put my kids to sleep. I put the girls to sleep in the middle of this confusion. And this is back in the VHS tape days, right? So I, I grab a movie, I put a movie in, and the movie is Gladiator. Mm. And you guys, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's a videotape. So it's on the scene where Maximus is standing in front of Commodus. And he's fighting. He's fighting as a slave now. And he's anonymous. Nobody knows who he is in the story. And he's got the helmet on and Maximus is, is or Commodus is saying, Hey, who are you? Define yourself. And remember Maximus turns to walk away and Commodus, you know, tells him to turn around. And when Maximus turns around, he flips off the helmet. He defines himself. My name is Maximus Aurelius Decimus, general of the Felix legions. And he goes through that whole thing. What I heard him say in that moment is this is who I am. This is what I believe. Mm. And this is what I'm going to do. That's what I heard him say. So I literally, I didn't know what else to do, but I was, I was depressed and I was upset. I wasn't going to go see a counselor. Everything that I had, I, I had that I thought was identity had been stripped from me. Um, and so over the course of the next six months, I, I just followed my heart and began to answer whatever question came to my heart 
in the process of defining myself. Mm. And by the time I was done, I wrote a code for my life. I called it the strength and honor code. I had a, I had a tattoo stuck on my arm yeah. and, mm. and I called it strength and honor after the movie. This was not for another human being on the planet. This is just for me. And, and I could define myself just like Maxwell said, I could say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And this is what, what I'm going to do. And so I, I had discovered and decided and found what, what is purpose, actually the right word would be to define what was purpose in my life. I had a list of core values that I believed in that were mine, not my dad's, not the preacher's, not somebody else's, but mine. And those values represented my strengths, my weaknesses, and then in my ideals. So I felt like it was something that I could really use all the time. And then I had a mission statement for my life. And, and I, be, I memorized it and I began to say it to myself all the time. And every choice and decision in my life from that day forward got filtered through the strength and honor code. And that's how it got started for me. And it was literally not for another human being. I had zero intentions of being on a podcast or talking to anybody. It was just like, how do I straighten my life out? And how do I, how, how do I hold myself accountable to a foundation that's strong? Um, and, and that's literally how that was born in my life. And a mission statement. Did you memorize something in particular? Yeah, I, mem- I, I had a whole entire code that I memorized. I mean, I literally could do in 30 seconds or less, I could stand in front of like Maximus and say, my name is James Dean Hensel. I'm a son of God. I'm, I'm created with purpose. I'm the son of Myron Melvin Hensel, the rock. I could, I could recite it all the way. And I believe in fight, work, hope, faith, team, family, excellence, purpose, responsibility, love, and freedom. And I live by the strength and honor code. The strength and honor code says I could do it. And, and that language I could do in about 30 seconds, but it represented so much value. When I, if I were to walk you through that whole thing, every one of those words is extremely meaningful to who I am. So I took what I believed and made it powerful by creating my own language and having it be, well, look, it's a target to aim at, right? If it's not in language, it's not a tool. Yeah. Right. If, if, right. You, if you don't know what an AMRAP is and you show up here, I don't care how fit you are. It's not going to work out for you. Right. And it's the same with us in life. Um, we, have to, we have to be able to put into language the things that we believe so that it becomes a hard target to aim at. And so I did that and, and my life straightened out. And that was the start of what is now Mayhem Mindset. Why, why do you think that was such a pivotal and profound moment? Because I'm sure you'd seen that movie before. Yeah, and, and you'd seen that scene before, and we've we've talked about this before. Sometimes one thing somebody says can totally flip your switch and can totally yeah. get you in the right direction. So I'm I'm curious why it hit you in that moment so hard. Yeah, that's a great question. I think none of this matters until it does, mm-hmm. and and I see it all the time with the people that I work with. Um, at a Certain, certain point in all of our lives, this kind of information matters. And sometimes it's early for some of us and sometimes it's late. And so many people define themselves, especially professional athletes um, and, and business people too. I mean, it's everybody. They define themselves by what they do. Mm-hmm. Capital D-O, the job, the task. And when, we're, when that's taken from us, we don't know who the hell we are. And so this idea of identity has to be, I mean, I proved it in my life. It has to be more than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and so this process starts with the question, in your greatest moments of opportunity or your darkest hour, will you be enough? First, can you count on yourself? And then can the people you're responsible for count on you? 
So that's my, that's the question that I knew my heart was trying to answer. Am I enough? Am I enough? Why did she leave me? Why, why is all this? Why, 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 why? And then when I reached for the do, the things that I had said in my life that were meaningful, that was gone. So I knew there had to be something more. And that, that now, I mean, think about the culture. Think about what COVID has done to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, whatever's left after I strip you of everything, it was the first question I had for Rich Froning. If I take CrossFit from you, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. Pause, 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 pause. If I take professional football away from you or college football away from you, then who the hell are you? Man, Is that's purpose what? just that? You are talking like this. You are preaching. To, yeah. Well, we, ne- wow, we never, yeah. we never talk about that. You know, yeah. if you're a football player, you say, I'm going to write these goals down. I'm going to get a thousand yards rushing. I'm going to get whatever. But those are all dues. Like you're saying, nobody ever approaches right. it from who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Like think about this, that, that if you, if you were to talk to, to, to most athletes and you, you would talk to them about vision or identity there, they would go to, well, goals for the year Mm -hmm. or that's where the conversation was start. Well, this is what I'm hoping to do this year or, or motivation. Let's talk about how to stay properly motivated or, or some sort of system or the 10 rules are going to live by. We're going to have that discussion. If I take all of that away from you, what do you got? Yeah. If you're not motivated, well then what do you do? Try to get re-motivated. If if you don't, if, if you're not successful with goals, then, how do you re-aim? So right. for me, this idea of identity first, that became identity and values becomes this solid rock or foundation that, mm. that doesn't change it, or, or it transforms and grows. And from there, we can stack on goals and systems and rules. And now we've got a vision that will really work. Mm. If, if, I mean, think about this, like, I mean, crazy examples, like put you in a, take everything from you and put you in a concentration camp. Then what are you left with? Right. And there are amazing yeah. books written by people who had to decide who they were outside of the job, the task, the emotion, and the ways that they had defined themselves. Yeah. So, so we wanna we wanna compete to live and to do business from a solid foundation. I call it a position of strength, and that's an understanding of first identity and then core values, and from there. Let's you to let's get properly motivated. Let's make sure we got the system. Yeah. That's right. a great, great conversation because what one of the things that we've all struggled with is, you know, when my career ended, it, immediately there was a depression, mm. and I don't know how many how many guys that are in my shoes have gone through the exact same thing in every vertical in every sport you can imagine, because since since I was seven years old, I played this game and I identified and everyone identified me by that game, football. Mm. So when I got done playing, there was no more football. I was stripped all the way down. I didn't have it. I didn't, I didn't show up in the locker room. I was no longer a part of the team. Uh, and I struggled. And, I, and, and, and it wasn't just me. I remember guys retiring before me or leaving the team or getting cut or whatnot. And them going through years of this struggle of trying to figure out who you really were, who you really are as a person. I wish I would have had you early on yeah. coming out. Well, well yeah. I'll say the crazy thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the crazy thing about you, Darren, is your best case scenario, yeah. absolute best case scenario from an athletic standpoint. Yeah. You played 13 years in the NFL. That is, that's the pinnacle. Most people get, you know, two, three years. Yeah, what's the yeah. average in the NFL? Yeah. 3.3. Right? But you spend all this time and all this energy and all this effort and, and, 
everything you do is geared towards that one thing that when it's gone, whether it's 13 years or whether it's no years like me, what do you do? Yeah. So Jim, Darren, Darren just referenced, you know, transition away from the NFL. It was, it was a depressing time for him. So my question to you is if you had Darren as a client of yours, as he was playing and you were able to coach him through that transition, what are some of the things that you would tell him? How would you, how would you coach him through that process? Man, I, I think, I think for me, one of the fundamental things I try to do when I'm, when I'm working with someone is I, I want to separate out the do, capital D-O, the job, the task, the emotion, from who you be, capital B-E, talents, values, and purpose. I want two big piles, two separate piles, because what happens is in the culture that we, we live in, and, and this was the place that I actually approached this with Rich. Hey, man, Rich, if I take CrossFit from you, if that's gone, who are you? Define yourself. And in our culture, we tend to define ourselves based on what we do instead of our beliefs or who we are. And so I, I want to have this initial understanding and working knowledge and language, defining terms with somebody. So they understand that what I'm doing, it can be, now track with me, because I know I've, I've created some language here to separate these things. It can be purposeful. What you do can be very purposeful. And that's what we want to do. We want to connect your job, the task, to your design, to who you were designed to be. You following me? Yeah, you guys yeah. are listening close, but you yeah, following yeah, me? Yeah. We want to do that. But those are two very separate things in our culture. A lot of times people are doing things, their job, their tasks, and they're not happy, and they're not happy because it's not at all purpose in their life, or it doesn't at all fit who they were created to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I, would want to, I would want to make sure that he, he understands right up front, hey, man, remember, this, is not, this, this can't, football cannot completely define your life. Because mm -hmm. what did you do before football, and then what are you going to do after football? Yeah. You're telling me that purpose exists only inside of football for your life? And if you can look at it that way, then it's pretty clear that uh, there's more to there's more to life. There's so many people that you you've worked closely with, and those athletes that you worked with are, you know, they have they they built this persona within themselves. They've mm -hmm. they've they've had to cultivate this. Is I am you know I can do anything. I can run through walls. And, and when you're working with a guy like Rich Froning, he has to have this ultimate confidence in himself. Myself as an athlete, all these athletes that you're, you know, that you're currently working with, they have this persona. They have to, have, they built this image. And it's not just, and this is not like an overnight deal. These are mm. years and years of building this image. How do you, because at some point you have to bring us back to reality. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I mean, that's the part of it that's hard for me to fathom how, how you can relate this and bring them back to the reality. How do you do that? Well, uh, none of this matters until it does. Right. That's the challenge, right? Because somebody like in who you were created, like, let's start here. I don't believe that. I believe that purpose is in your design. It's, it's in how you're created. Mm -hmm. It's not in what you do. So, so like, like in the culture we live in people, man, they, they think that purpose is something that they're going to find eventually. If we search hard enough, we read enough books, we do all the yeah. right things, we're going to figure out what that is for our life. And I don't believe that. I believe you were born with it and you have to define it. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that, 
and we can get some sort of you, you, you define it for yourself. You have some sort of understanding about what that is in your life. And then we want to add on this idea of values. All of us are trying to make our choices and decisions based on our strongest beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's human nature. We're all doing it. We're trying to capture our emotions, slow down, and we're trying to think clearly. We're all trying to do it. Antonio Brown's trying to do it. He's working at it right now. Mm-hmm. So we're all trying to do those things. So you, you have to be in a position, a mature position as an athlete to be able to understand you need to be in this conversation. And in, unfortunately for a lot of athletes, who you were created to be is good enough for 10 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. You don't really need all that because you're successful. You're dealing with it. You have some of that competitive nature about you and you're successful. And so there's no need to slow down and think about it until that's interrupted. Yep. And when that's interrupted, then it's a problem and then you're drowning. Mm-hmm. So if, if somebody like me comes along and is, a, in, is an involved in like a culture perspective, like as a culture coach, and we can begin to teach guys at a young age, hey, there's more than, the, than what you're doing here, the job, the task today. This is who you are in the community. This is who you are in relationships. And we begin to talk about that and they can see themselves with that perspective. Then there's a chance to be able to grow that even in a competitive way inside of what they're doing. And then for Rich, to his credit, I didn't, I literally, I came in his life. He was already a CrossFit champion. He used this process to begin to create a path forward for his life after competing. Right. Who am I after I'm done with this? Is my best years gone? Was that it? Is that all I'm capable of? Or was I designed for more? Does you know that make what? sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Makes a ton of sense. And I, and I think that it would take, and I'm speaking for self. I can't speak for everyone else. But for self, I've always been drawn to, like, if, if I'm working with you, Jim, you're speaking to me mm-hmm. at, at a level where Hey, I, I, you're bringing me so much value and I'm listening to you because you're talking to me from a place of strength. If mm-hmm. I was to come out of the NFL and I had someone that was sort of coming at me from just a counseling perspective, hmm. I don't know if I'm going to relate. I don't know if I'm going to, if that's going to bring that out in me. If it's coming from you who's talking to me like, hey, I'm direct with it, mm-hmm. with a ton of confidence then I'm, I'm more attained to listen to what you're saying. And I think that's, you know, when us, when we're having this, this, in this podcast and we've been talking to you, it's different because you, you come from a place of strength. Mm. And, and I think that's what really uh, is resounding when you're talking to, to athletes, man, you got to come from that perspective. If you come from a place of weakness, they're going to see it, they're going to eat it up and they're going to, you know, devour you. Well, and, and you know what, you can, there's a difference between telling somebody what to do yep. and showing them what to do. Mm-hmm. There's a very big difference, you know, and, and I, I, I did not have success at the level you have, but I've experienced a lot of what you dealt with in your life. I didn't, right. I didn't, I didn't have superstardom and some of the things you had, but I, you know, they say every football player dies twice, right? I mean, the day you quit playing and the day that you actually die. I, I laid I, at the last game of my senior year, Hey man, say, I, that again. Say, say that again. <laughs> say, you got to say that again. Every football player dies twice. The man. day you quit playing, that last day, you walk off that field, and then the day that you actually physically leave this planet. My, my last game of my senior year, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the strong side of the field. The play's on the weak side of the field. I'm playing corner, and I'm jogging 
the tackle's being made, I'm jogging, and the receiver cuts me at my knees mm. and takes my knee out right before halftime. And any hope that I had of anything in the future, there was, there was a slim hope for me, even football or baseball, it was gone in that moment. And you want to talk about heading towards depression. Right. Um, and, and having thought about one thing my entire life, one thing and only one thing. Um, so I get it. I understand it. I went through that process of having to go, holy smokes, there's got to be more for me. It can't have been just this. And then I fought to figure it out. So when I'm communicating to you, um, I know that the language that I'm using is, is new to you, but I way understand what's going on in your head and your heart. I get it. And I've been through that. And, and I like how you said from a position of strength, that's super, super important because the, the things that you were born with, how you were designed, how your heart's wired up, it's similar to me in some ways, but different to me in some ways. And so if I can help you understand that, you can use that as a competitor to compete more present and at a different level. And then you can use it when you get home and you can use it in business. And it's a perspective that opens everything up. And we're not just thinking about the do anymore. We're thinking about actually your whole design as a man. That's right. You, you know, as you're sitting here talking, I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder why we're so drawn. And you probably, with your experience, you probably have an answer to this. But I wonder why we're so drawn to the do. You know, as an athlete, everything's defined by your performance. And so you have all these check marks that you're trying to go through. And that's just how you, that's just the lens you see everything. Mm -hmm. It, it's, right. it's more tangible if I can write something out and I can mark it off the list. Mm. It's not as quite as tangible if, it's, if you're starting to talk to me about who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering in your experience, what's the reason we're so drawn to do as opposed to who we are? Well, to be successful at the level that Darren was successful, his, his greatest ally, I don't care if it's tackling somebody, how your day goes, what happens, it's momentum, right? Right. And in, in life, if we get in a groove, we don't want to mess with the groove. We don't want to mess with momentum. And, and what happens is when you get successful and you begin to find things that work for you, then you create a system out of it. You develop some habits out of it and you get that momentum heading in the direction that you need it to head. And so your choices and your decisions then in life start to be based more on momentum and then keeping your emotions under control, being able to do that, that's how you begin to think. And that works really good up until your momentum is mm -hmm. stopped yeah. or until there's, a, until there's an injury. And then you're in the locker room and you're disconnected from the locker room and you don't feel like you're a part of things. And you don't really understand how you connect to your teammates anymore. Now we're having an identity crisis, right? Mm -hmm. So we, in, a, in, the, in Western culture, we've been doing pretty well for a long time. And I'm not everybody. I don't mean to make a blanket statement, but lots of us are doing pretty dang good. And if you're a professional football player, then you're doing pretty well. You know what I mean? In lots of areas of your life. And so if, if we start creating vision for our life and, and how to move our lives forward based on momentum and emotion, well, at a certain point, and I mean that, to be certain, we're going to have a problem when the momentum ends, whether that's injury uh, whatever personal things going on in your life or your career is over. So if, if I'm working with somebody, I, I mean, I, I want to create a vision that will work. That won't work. If you aim at systems, if you aim at goals as your principal, as your principal target, if you're aiming at motivation, those are things that are going to change. Mm -hmm. So I believe 
that first you have to understand what's purpose. And that's not what you do. So we have to figure that out somehow. And then you have to decide what your values are or your strongest beliefs. That becomes the concrete. That's the foundation. So now we can re-aim based on those things. You have a real clear understanding of why you're on this planet. And you, you have a real clear understanding of what your strongest beliefs are. And then those things are alive. It's not, it's not stupid words written somewhere. They're words that represent your strengths, your weaknesses, and your ideals. When you got that, in your hip pocket, then we connect that to staying properly motivated. We connect that to being motivated, right? To systems, to habits and all of that. Now we've got a vision that will work. And when there's a problem in your life, you go back to, oh, hold on. I know who I am. I'm secure in my identity. And I also know what I believe in. That's how I'm going to re-aim. Right. Now let's get the ball headed in the right direction. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. And he reminds me, you, you, you're speaking here and it reminds, you know, there's one guy particularly that it reminds me of that I played against and, and, and that's Larry Fitzgerald. Mm. Yeah. It's Larry, because you, you see Larry Fitzgerald outside of the scope of football and he knows who he is and he has his values, his certain values. And he does things in the off season without the hoopla, without the cameras, you just, and it's way under the radar. Mm-hmm. And, and he finds joy in that. And anytime you see this guy, you're like, and you can feel it. When he walks in the room, you can feel the fact of, you know, this guy, he, he, he's got, he's doing something different mm-hmm. than, than most. Because most guys are still, like you said, we're riding the momentum. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm surfing through this deal. I'm masking all my problems. I haven't dealt with what my values are. I don't have any real foundation. I'm just, I'm a damn good football player. I can make tackles. I can go do this and this and that. And, we're, and the momentum is we're going to win championships as many as I can. And I'm not thinking about life, life. And what's happening on the other side of that? What's happening, mm-hmm. the truth is, what's really happening is I'm in chaos on the other mm-hmm. side of those things. We're going through divorces, which I ended up going through because I was riding that momentum. I wasn't thinking about my family, my wife, uh, what their values were as a, and our values were as a whole. It was just, this is who I am. This is, I'm wrapped up into this. And I'm telling you, man, there's so much, and I know I'm rambling on, but there's so much depth into this. Like I, you know, Jim, I mentioned, made mention earlier, if I would have had you early on, I'm even talking before I even stepped in the door with the Cowboys. Mm. How much better person, just a person, that says a person, as an individual would I have been? And, I, and that's why I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's phenomenal talking to you because I think there is so much value in what you're doing and who you are. But I want you, I'm almost, I'm, I'm so selfish in the fact that I need you to be more out there. I need to be new <laughs> yeah. to a lot more people, man, because let's, we're, let's we're, there's it. so many struggles. There's so many struggles. I think, and, and football is really interesting. Um, and I've, I worked for nine years as a player development coach in a couple of different programs. And it's important to have a great process in football. Mm-hmm. You ha- and you hear coaches talk about being process oriented. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we don't want to lose sight. Like if success and winning is your ultimate goal, and then, and we're going to do that no matter what, and we're completely process oriented and that's all we care about. Mm-hmm. We're forgetting about interpersonal relationships. Yep. 
And so it's important and you don't have to sacrifice, build a better man. You don't have to sacrifice that in order to be great at systems and processes and winning. You don't have to be, but if you're going to do it right and you're going to be a hundred percent of the man you were created to be. So I'm talking about from birth to death. And if we're going to measure, I love to measure in percentages. I measure myself in percentages every day. I don't like this idea of potential. It's overused. Jim, in the things that I care about today, fight, work, hope, faith, team, family, excellence, purpose, responsibility, love, and freedom, those core values, where were you at today? 60%, 70%, all right, yeah. Where do you need to fix it? Fix it today, re-aim tomorrow. I, I look at my life that way. So I think as a leader and in building culture, we can't forget about build a better man. And if you build better people, they actually will perform better. Mm-hmm. It's a key to getting a guy present and actually getting him to physically give you more. If we connect in a heart way like that, yeah. heart language is really important for motivation. And so many times, because football is a big business at the professional level, holy crap. And the dude who's coming on the field after you is probably just as good as you. That's right. So all <laughs> right, man. If you don't get it done, he'll just fire your ass and get another guy. And I understand that piece, but that's not necessarily what's best for you as an individual, right? Right. So, so for you, Jim, because you mentioned earlier, the foundation is who you are. And once you know that, then you can start tacking on the dues on top of that. Mm. Yeah. So for you, you, you clear, I mean, you just rattled off who you are right, right there. Right. You got it down. So right. for you, what's the next step? Like, do you write down stuff daily that you want to do? What's your relationship? Because and the reason I ask this is because I consume a lot of information. These guys make fun of me all the time. I'm a right. big consumer of information and, and right. nobody's talking about who you are. Everybody's right. talking about write your power list, you know, your five things you want to accomplish today. Yeah. Does that play at all into, into your daily schedule? It, it, yes, but it's not my principal focus. And, mm-hmm. and this is why what mayhem mindset is so different because mayhem mindset is simply a process for a person to define themselves, mm. to be able to create the language to figure out what's purpose, to write it down, to define it. I'm not going to tell you anything. You do the work, you, you go through each one of the challenges. And by the time you're done, you're going to have a list, words, language. If it's not in language, it's not a tool. Mm. If you don't know how to speak it, then you can't do it. That's to be human logos language. Right. right. Yeah. So you've got to be able to be accountable to yourself and be able to say, hey, here are the things that I really believe. So, so once again, I want you to have an idea about purpose and then values, and that's most important. Then after that, then we want to do a good job of connecting to the things that you're describing, staying motivated, making the power list, doing all those things. But if you don't have the lens to see through, then that stuff just becomes another do in your life. And it'll work for a time, but then it's hard to be sustainable with it and then refocus it and fall back on it when things are hard. Mayhem Mindset starts with this question. In your, listen to what I'm going to say. In everything that we do through this process, we go back to this. In your greatest moment of opportunity or in your darkest hour, will you be enough? Mm. First, can you count on yourself? And then can the people you're responsible for, can they count on you? I think that's the question as men we're trying to answer every day. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I doing this good enough? We're measuring ourselves in that way. So what, what you first have to be alone in the dark. Think about this, man. Think about being thrown 
in a concentration camp. Yeah. Think about being a slave. Mm-hmm. I'm a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. My people walk the trail of tears. Think about what that is in your life, that kind of adversity. First, you got to know who you are outside of anybody else's opinion on this freaking planet. And if you don't understand identity, not your wife, not the pastor, not what anybody else says, if you have to go for somebody else for that sort of acknowledgement in your life, then I think you're missing it. And for me, I was never going to be in a space again after my wife left where I arrived in adversity or opportunity and I couldn't stand the hell up and tell you who I was. That wasn't ever going to happen in my life again. And I wasn't talking about success or failure. That's, that's to be seen. I don't know if I'm winning or losing, but I'm not showing up in adversity or opportunity without having that clear understanding. And that takes doing the work to define yourself. And once you're there, and alone in the dark, you can go, man, I'm, I'm good with me. I'm, yeah. I'm solid with me. Yeah. Then the rest of that, the rest of that's a bonus. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to run through a brick wall right now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And it speaks what he says, mayhem, right? Through the mayhem, through the, uh, through the, through the chaos. you like, like you said earlier, who you be like, yeah. who, who is it through? Who am I? through all the chaos that we're, that you're going through on a day-to-day basis, through all the mayhem that you're going, if you don't have that foundation and know who you be, then what? Yeah. Uh, Vin, I, I, Vin, Vince uh, Lombardi said something important. He said, if you don't know who you are as an individual, then you don't know how you fit in your family. You know what your role of responsibility is. If you don't know who you are as an individual, you don't know how you fit in the team. Right. What's your role? What's your responsibility? If you don't know who you are as an individual, how do you know how to fit in culture? If you don't know who you are as an individual, how do you fit in society? So it's super important that each one of us understand, well, holy heck, this is why I was born. This is why I'm on the planet. Mm-hmm. You see the things that I believe in. And then when we get in a group of people, we know, we know where we fit. And then we know how to be a force multiplier with those people. And think about culture. You're trying to take a bunch of, especially professional football, alpha males who got a, who have, they got a, they got a program. They're confident. They're good at what they do. And we're trying to get that to blend to where this group of guys will play for each other. Right. Ultimately we're trying to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the other aspect that's a little scary about the do, if that's your focus and and I'm just going to be real with you guys. I'm, I'm actually going through this right now. Yeah. A moment and a season of, kind of of wonder and, and mm-hmm. where's my aim? And, and mm-hmm. here's what I mean by that. And, and again, the other aspect of do is, is you don't accomplish it. That sucks. That, that, that's what you fear. But what mm-hmm. if you do accomplish it and mm-hmm. it's not what you thought it was going to be? Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, and I'm just, be, again, I'm just being real with you guys. I'm going to mm-hmm. have financially in, in, my, in my career, I'm going to have one of the best years of my, the best year of my life. Mm. And for some reason, it's not giving me what I thought it was going to bring me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I have, <laughs> yeah. guys, this, I'm, I'm being as real and raw as I can be right now. I, I, this is the first time I'm verbalizing these thoughts in my head. So here's what happens. It's, it's not as good as what I thought it was going to be. Now, so it's not. So here's what happens. I just, I just got in working personally one-on-one with a guy who just sold his business for a hundred million dollars. So a hundred million dollars, he's got enough money. He doesn't need any more money. He, he was there for 46 years. And in 46 years, he was excellent at the do, the job, the task. He had systems, 
He knew how to manage people. He did all of that. And here's what happens to guys like what you're describing. What happens is they forget about the interpersonal relationships in their life because they get so focused and so good at getting up, getting in a rhythm, making money, putting it in the bank account. And they're super disciplined and it's cool. And they, and they appear extremely successful and stay, stay with me. And if I confuse you with the language, I tried to create this language so we could draw distinctions, but they, they get confused that the do, well, the do is really purposeful for them. It is their talents, all the things that they were created, they were created to be able to be in life is being, is playing out inside their job and their tasks. So they're 100% satisfied. But what, what this dude forgot about was his wife and his kids mm-hmm. who he hasn't seen in years and his children don't want anything to do with him. And now he's like, I had a big boat and I thought we were going to go on vacation and all this stuff was going to happen. And I am, pre- he's pretty happy about being retired, but his, he don't even know his wife right. and he don't know his kids and they don't give two shits about him and don't care to come back. Mm, so what happens is we forget that your purpose your personal purpose will destroy you if it doesn't stay connected to values and you have to give up if you care about other people you have to give up a little bit of your personal purpose for somebody else because your wife she ain't you and your kids they ain't you and who they were created to be on this planet is different than who you were created to be. Right. Hey man, do you think I give two hecks about purse shopping? Purse shopping. Do you think I care about purse shopping? No. <laughs> no. I don't care about purse shopping. I'm down in Nashville one day and my wife loves purses. And I'm in some store holding four or five purses. <laughs> And a couple of kids from our program up here see me in the purse shop and they snap a picture of me. And then we get back, we get back to the defensive meeting and they pop this picture up with me holding purses. And everybody's laughing. And I get up and this is, this is the response. Hey, do you think I give two shits about purse shopping? And everybody's really quiet and they realize it's really not funny now. And I'm like, no, man, I don't care about that, but I love my wife and my wife likes purses. So I'm going to go purse shopping. Yep. Yep. I'm not going purse shopping. I'm going purse shopping maybe once a month. That's about all. I'm get. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that the things that I know God put me on this planet for that I'm supposed to be doing that's purpose for my life. Some of that has to be sacrificed for the people I'm responsible. Oh, man. God. And so this is where guys who make a ton of money, momentum's going the right direction. Even they're fair. They're treating people right. They're doing things. They begin to lose sight of the personal relationships. And really what your little daughter needs from you, she needs you to be quiet and play dollies with her or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And who she was created to be, she don't care about how much money dad makes. Right, man. It's God, that's so true. I mean, they could care less. Right, could right. care less. My, my, even my older kids, man, they could care less. And, and the memories, I mean, I know we're going down a different path, but the memories I have with even my 27-year-old son is, mm-hmm. it's not football. Yeah. It's he and I playing basketball in the backyard. Like, mm-hmm. those are memories that, he remembers it wasn't mm-hmm. the Super Bowls, and, and, and I'm telling you, man, when you again, the momentum is what you know, man. I feel ashamed, like, I, I you almost feel ashamed about how you know, even through the successes and people patting you on the back and all that. But there's so many sides on the other side that I'm like, I wish I could get back, mm. and, and and that's why I'm saying, man, I look, dude, I, Jim, I appreciate this conversation, man. Mm-hmm. I, I think this conversation, I, mean, I hope that our listeners. 
that are out there listening and tuning in, man, they can just take a piece of this and say, hey, look, you know, let's start all over again. Because that's where Ben and I just talked about before getting back on with you was resetting our values. Like, mm. I need to, and I've talked to Ben about this, like just resetting my values and who is it, who is it that I be? And I'll say it that way because that yeah. bring, that's the, the language that I need to speak to. Uh, yeah. Not who I am. It's who, who, who is it that I be? Because yeah. it means something to me to, to know that here's my foundation. Here's my values. Here's my purpose. And then I can do some of the things that I do, but I'm never going to stray far from that co- those core values. It's a filter, right? Think, yeah. about, think about everything from politics to money, you name it. You don't get lost when you have that understanding in your life. Mm-hmm. You don't get lost. You can step back and you can re-aim. You can say, wait a second. I know Jim Hensel. I'm here. Purpose for me is to challenge, exhort, and encourage. That's how I've defined it. That's not the do. That's who I be. Does that sound like me? Yeah. Challenge. It pours out of me. I ain't got a choice. Mm-hmm. Challenge, exhort, and encourage, not connected to values, just makes me an asshole. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I yep. got to be careful where I be, right? right. I got to do this. So I got to have values that represent my strengths and my weaknesses. And then the ideals more connected to goals in my life. You asked me that earlier. Mm-hmm. How do we connect to goals? I got to have mm-hmm. ideals or values that represent the places that I want to be this year. And my values have to live and breathe. Every year I go back and I brush up the definitions. And every year I take a couple of ideal values out of my value system. And I put two new ones in. This year was self-discipline and I was working on self-discipline. So I've got values that represent the big rocks, the mountains I'm willing to die on. And then I got values that represent my emotional weaknesses, the challenges that I have. And then I got values that are things I'm really working at. That stuff lives and it breathes and I'm doing it. And at New Year's every year, I stop and I go through it. My values changed from the time I got married. The value of family, for example, changed. When When I had children, it changed and grew. All that's supposed to live and breathe and grow. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I would say it, it, it will matter to you someday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will matter if it's Absolutely. not now, it will someday. And yeah. it's not a bad idea to stop and get reorganized right. and, 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 and really clean up what it is that you believe about those things. And then you take off from there, map out the next 10 years of your life, understanding that then set some really good goals. And connect to some really good systems that really, really come from this platform of strength right. that are purpose and core values. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm representing listeners right now because you're speaking right to me. I've, I'm focused, so focused on the do. I've now bought in that I need to be more focused on who I am. Where do I even begin? Where do I even start? What's your advice for somebody like me? Yeah, um, it's, it's really interesting. If, if, if I were to ask you right now, let me put you on the spot, you know, name, go ahead, start now, name some core values in your life. Just go. Family, God, um, parenting. Uh, <laughs> mm. I, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, achievement. That's nothing wrong with that. You know, trying okay, to so, go ahead. So, 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 there were two us in there mm-hmm. uh, uh, as you were thinking. And I'm not down on you because this mayhem mindset's a game. I call it a game because it's, it's not fair because 
if people haven't done the work, then they can't play the game. Right. What I, what I want somebody to be able to do is to do fight, work, hope, faith, team, family, excellence, purpose, responsibility, love, freedom, self-discipline. And if you ask me to give a sermon on values, I can start talking through each one of those things and we'd be here for three hours. Because mm, yeah. I've really clearly defined. And those values represent my strengths, my weaknesses, and my ideals. It's not just 10 words that I picked out. So that that's where it starts, man. The idea, start writing down, make a list of some of the things that you strongly believe in and, and have that and have those values really represent more than just 10 cool words in your life. I think you have to do the work to define yourself. And I'm look, I'm legitimately, man, I I don't know, man. I'm just some dude. I grew up a painter, man. I, 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 this, this whole mindset thing, what this was before we called it mindset, I've been doing it 14 years. And all I know is it's a process for somebody like you mm-hmm. to right. be able to figure that out. We don't tell anybody what to believe. That's not what we do. It's right. a process for you to, to, to do some journaling and do some writing. You, you named like six things right there. By the time you've gone through all the challenges and mayhem mindset and you get to the second part of the process, you'll have about 50 words that are really important to you that you really, really believe in. And then it'll be a challenge to pair them back Mm. to something that's really operational, something that really is meaningful to you. When I define myself and I say, this is who I am, this is what I believe and this is what I will, what I'm going to do. If you don't know me, it just sounds like I'm saying a bunch of words, but if you know me, there's power in every word that comes out of my mouth. Mm. Every time I get up to speak somewhere, I go through it. I do it. I say, I define myself. I do it like Maximus did. Yeah. Not, be, yeah. not because I give, I give, I don't care what anybody out there thinks. I do it because it can. I remember when I couldn't. Right. I remember right. I did, when I was desperate to get off the floor and I didn't know where to turn next. I'm just excited to be able to get in, some, in front of somebody and do it. And I like that it makes people a little uncomfortable. That's you know cool. what? And, and, and we're going to do this. We're going to do this yeah. all together because you know already. <laughs> sort of started this list and I was listening to, to Ben rattle off when you asked him the question mm. he I, I've sort of I've gone through not in depth all the way but I've sort of gone through that process on values after we had a previous mm-hmm. conversation so yeah. we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later yeah. as we go on but I rattled off it took me days mm-hmm. to sit there and rattle off four Ben just rattled off well, four. I just stumbled and, through and four. Stumbled, but I, it, it days for me to go, uh, 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 and then it was, okay, all right, mm-hmm. this is what I want. This is, these need to be my values. And, I, and then it started to come to me. But, man, I tell you, you, you it's, it's a time to sit down. But, you know, I want to get to, I want to get to the point where I can just rattle them off. Yeah. Like, because that's power. When you can just, when you can say it verbally and speak it, that's power. So, man, look, I, I, we want to, let, let's, let's do this because for the sake of time, uh, how do we find you? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Mayhemmindset.com. Um, that's the spot. Everything you need right there. Mayhemmindset.com. You just kept it yeah. that simple, yeah. didn't you? No, I, yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm representing a lot of people. I'm, I'm sitting here. If you're listening to this, you need to go to that website because this is, I mean, this is in real time. This is an epiphany for me. Mm, yeah. Uh, because it's so real right now, the last few months of my life. Because again, like I said earlier, 
you're fearful that you won't accomplish, but then what happens when you do and it's not everything you thought it was going to be? And to me, that's worse. Hmm. And I've been so focused on the do for so long. It's time to reshift my focus. And so this conversation, man, it means more than, you know, this conversation right now. I was, uh, I was at a party one time with a guy who was a Dallas cowboy and he had on a, it was either a cowboy or an eagle. I can't be out on it. Like, an how could you? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> how do you not know? It's not like you, you, you just. You might as well just drop you some just, MFers right there. <laughs> you just walked to a landmine. I just, I just ruined this podcast. <laughs> but I would say ninety-eight percent of our audience is Cowboys fans. So, <laughs> but the, the the story is that he's half drunk. And he's got that ring on. And here's what I know. I know that he's a security guard, which, hey, that's cool. If you're a security guard and that's what you're doing, that's cool. But that wasn't what he was saying about being a security guard. Mm-hmm. Mm. He was down from, from NFC Championship to security guard. He wasn't real happy about that. And I also know that his wife happened to be the vice president of that organization. Mm. And so, and then there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But his perspective was the glory days, man. You know, that's all he could talk about. And when, and when he got intoxicated, then, and those, and those filters went down, then that's all he wanted to talk about. And that's all he could talk about. And it went from being really cool to pathetic. Yeah. Right. Right. And, 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 and so it's super, super important, you know, that in the end, my daughter said to me, my daughters are, 29 and 26 now. And they said to me, and I was a, I was a single father and raised both those kids. And I'm very proud of that. And my oldest daughter said, Hey dad, you know what the most important thing you ever did for me was, you know what the most important thing you ever said to me was, and I'm freeze. I'm froze. I made a lot of sacrifices, man. I really did. I'm proud of it. And I said a lot of stuff too, you know? And she said, you gave me your time. You were always there for me. Huge. And my kids are super successful now. So, so we got to be careful, man. We got to be careful. The do is important. Mm-hmm. And we want to connect the do to who we be. That's really important. There's a lot of success and happiness when you can line those things up. But don't forget. Don't yeah. forget about the purpose piece and the values piece because that's what's going to allow you to be everything you were designed to be. When the money and the success and the fame and all that, oh. it's kind of hollow, man. That's yeah. right. Man. So true, man. Such a good way to, yeah. to wrap this up. We do have a final question that we'd love to ask every guest. And obviously, yeah. we started this conversation this summer, so you've already heard the question. But if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? And I, I'd, go back to, I'd go back to that spot, that dark, dark time um, when my wife had left me and I'm at, man, I loved her with everything that I had, you know, um, but all I had was like 22 years old, you know, so mm-hmm. d- dumb as a box of rocks and, and she left me and she was having an affair with an, an all pro football player. If I said his name, you'd know it, you know? Um, and in that space, the battle in my heart was to know that I was enough, that mm-hmm. there wasn't anything wrong with me, you know, that, that everything that I needed to win, to be successful, to live with purpose was inside me. I'd go back and I'd tell myself that in a hurry. Um, so maybe I didn't have to go through all the hurt and the pain. Now, 
would I actually do it? No, because right. all of that's made me who I am today. Right. But, but, but if I could go back to somebody else, I guess, maybe extrapolate this to somebody else, I would say to, to everybody that you're enough, man. You really are. You just don't know it. And, and that you were designed with everything that you needed. You have it inside you. You just got to define it. You just got to do that work. And if you go on measuring yourself by what you do the rest of your life, you're in trouble because you're going to fail. Failure is actually really important. But if you know how to re-aim at this idea of purpose and values, and then you can be present and do that day after day after day and connect day after day after day like that, you're going to get somewhere. And that's what happened to my life. It straightened out. Right. Went from face down depressed with $9,000 to my name, which wasn't much money to me at that point, mm -hmm. to having a conversation with people that I like to talk to at this point. So that's what I'd say. Awesome. awesome. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> you just one of my favorite conversations we've ever had. <laughs> hey, man, Jim, we appreciate your time, man. Yes. Um, you know, again, if, if you don't know Jim Hensel, go to CrossFitMayhem.com. MayhemMindset.com. MayhemMindset.com. MayhemMindset. MayhemMindset. Just go to Google. No, no. <laughs> go to MayhemMindset.com and get to know Jim Hensel yes. because I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I butchered that and, and I apologize for that because this is serious. This is a serious conversation. I don't want to just go over that. People need to t tap into you, Jim, and, and, and use you as a resource. I'm going to use you as a resource. Uh, I'm going to uh, continue to push who you are because there's so many people that I love out there that need mm. to hear this, that absolutely need to hear this. So uh, again, man, we appreciate your time, man, and uh, love you for who you are, man, and keep on pushing, brother. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, man. Thank Thanks, you so brother. much, Jim. That was awesome. Hey, man. <laughs> Dude, you're bringing tears to our eyes, Ooh, man, because you are no. speaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a crier at all. I'm, I was literally fighting back tears yeah. as I, because I haven't shared that before. Yeah. And that was as, I mean, you drew that out of me, and I appreciate that because that's been weighing on my mind. And I probably should, we probably should still be recording this yeah. for other people. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, the last few months that's been weighing so heavy on my mind is, man, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so this conversation, it, it's hitting me in a perfect time. You, Darren, you were talking about why what I'm saying works. And, and why it works is because I'm speaking to your heart. Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand your heart because I have one just like it, you mm -hmm. know? Like, and, and I think that's what makes it different. You know, it's, it's not as an X's and O thing. That's not what we're talking about. Although right. we need to be good at the X's and O's. It's a message to somebody's heart. Yeah. Um, and that's why it kind of resonates. But you know what it does? Press record, man. I don't <laughs> care. We, let's press record here. Cause it's just, I didn't need to say this. Uh, you know what the conversation has done for me? when we're, when we, we've been talking to you, it's like, it's peel back the onion. Like, mm -hmm. like, we all need to just like at some point you need to be naked, like all mm. the way down to our bare mm. bones. And, mm. and that's where the conversation, you know, you said you're speaking to the heart, man. No, man, you, you're undressing the, mm. the guy who has this persona about him, has this, you know, ideal of what everybody expects of him and all this. And we're macho men and we're the, you know, baddest dude on the block. No, man, you know, in the end, that onion gets peeled back. And, and you do a hell of a job peeling it back and, and then building it back up and then giving you, it's like you peel it down and then you give us these values or a starting point. Mm. That's what we're always looking. That's what we're looking for. Sometimes just looking, you know, 
you know, where do I start? Where do I begin? Well, hey, here's your values. List these values. Yeah. And what you're saying is that's 100% what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm literally, I like this idea of stripping everything away and starting with nothing. Right. That's the point. That is exactly what we're trying to do. I want your job. I want your family. I want your wife. I want all of that. Right. You know, obviously not in real life. I don't want that to happen to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but metaphorically for what we're doing, and then we work back and, and put all that back in a very purpose-filled and values-based way. Right. And when you, when you do that and you've created right. some language for that and you understand what it is, now we can work. Yeah. Now it works. Now I can get up and re-aim every day. Mm. Now it's not just momentum or emotion that's going to guide me. It's going to be these, it's my strongest beliefs and I really know what they are. Right. I'm not umming and hawing you know, about what that is. Exactly. Yep. That's key. Go, Jim. Appreciate you, bro. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks again. Thanks, brother. All right.